0: Wars episode 0024 Jerry Maguire versus Moneyball. Show me the podcast,
1: it completes me.
0: La 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 002 for the Movie Wars podcast. You know what? This podcast, this
1: podcast has manners. I am your host, Kyle. I love this podcast. I love it for the podcast it wants to be and for the podcast it almost is. Yes. I'm Drew.
2: If we play like the Yankees in here, we're going to lose to them out there. I'm Phil. Yes, we will. The Yankees are other podcasts that (laughs) that are bigger than us, but it doesn't fucking matter because we do our own shit here. <laughs> I was just going to say, let's go sports ball. I yeah. Mean, I'm sorry to interrupt. Refer back to my rant about sports ball in episode 0006.
0: If we sound a little different today, we are not in the studio. We always record in the studio, but we are celebrating our best friend, Boyd Drew's birthday. Whoop That's right. So we're on a little vacation in an unbeknownst to you location. So it's a little spacey, but yeah. we were having a good time. We were talking about two fantastic films. One of my favorite all time films, Jerry Maguire versus Moneyball. Yeah. I love these movies. There was actually a time in my life, probably like late college, where if you would ask me who's your favorite director, I would have said Cameron Crowe. Oh. And we'll get into why later. I have lots of reasons for that. But, you know, we've talked about this. We, we haven't covered sports a ton, but I would say that kind of the defining sports episode for us was Raging Bull versus Rocky because I think we learned a lot about huh, how agreed. sports yeah. sports like is used to deliver heavy messaging. Like stuff that usually would just be heavy, like if you add a sport to it, then it, it kind of lightens that message, you know, and it can be a good vehicle for those things. But also
2: it just makes it instantly more accessible. True, because there's so many sports fans.
0: And these movies really tackle interesting things. And and again, watch it younger, you watch it for certain things, and you get older, you start to pick up on the nuance. And the word that kept coming to my mind for both of these movies was rebirth. Both of these characters are experiencing changes. Jerry Maguire, the whole thing starts off that he wants to reinvent his business. He's feeling, after that hockey player, I think his name was Romo, has his fifth concussion and his son is like, you got to get him to stop playing. And he's he's on his phone and blowing him off. And he says, fuck you and flips him off. That was like this moment where he realizes like... This is a numbers game for me. I don't care about these people. Writes the memo, and he's instantly met, you know, with resistance for it. Um, you know, the quote from Moneyball that I love is, um, I can't remember who says it, but the first person through the wall often has a bloody nose. You know, this idea Such a that
2: good quote, man. yeah, that
0: Michael Bean was, Billy Bean was looked down upon for what he was doing. His peers, the scouts, the league didn't love what he was doing, but he kept going through. Are You guys laughing about the air? No, no. I was laughing at Michael, Michael Bean, Bean.
2: Michael <laughs> Bean. from Terminator. Yeah. So, so, oh God. For, for our listeners, we're in a living room. Yeah. We're usually in a in a studio that's acoustically treated, but we're in a yeah. living room, so it's live. But hey, we're still using our SM7s, which you know, usually those those kind of help isolate because there it takes a lot of uh, sound pressure to get them to pop.
0: I'm gonna pick um, up on the Billy Bean part. Yeah,
2: we're not doing that. Oh. Yeah, so hey, you're with us here in this living room. <laughs> This living room is awesome. Wish you guys could be here with us. Not really, because I'd rather be with my homies.
0: Billy Bean met resistance because, you know, I love the quote from that movie. It's such a great quote. The first person through the wall, it has has the bloodiest nose or whatever. Billy Bean was embracing something that was looked down upon. And it was looked at as kind of voodoo magic in the sport at the time. Very few people were embracing it, although that methodology was already out there. So they're both trying to change. They both have a past life that they're, you know, becoming reborn to. And I also love this idea that it's by non, Unconventional means that they are kind of reborn into them into their new selves. Like just look at it on paper. Jerry Maguire, the most successful sport agent, whatever you want to call him, incredible presence. His rebirth comes through the form of a single mother and, and a kid. And it's so unorthodox because he's engaged in this beautiful, powerful sports presence. And you know, he's in first class, jawing it up, you know. And then he goes from that to this being challenged with this simplicity. Yeah. Billy Bean is facing the challenge of, of moving through traditional baseball, he's tackling tradition. And I didn't realize that I read the book Moneyball. Like they do talk about a lot of the movie, but he was bitter. Like he feels like his life was ruined by these scouts because he could have gone to Stanford. He could have mm-hmm. had a really successful career, but they pulled him out of this normal life and he failed. And so he, this unconventional transformation of his life to say, I'm going to move away from the game of baseball. I'm going to move into analytics. I'm going to move into data. And it's looked down upon, but we're going to do it anyway. And I love those unconventional means.
2: The thing that really struck me about the whole Billy Bean situation was he knew there was a problem with the system but he didn't know what it was and the cool thing about Moneyball is you got to kind of watch him uncover that in real time like he's sitting in the room with the scouts and they're evaluating these guys based on all these arbitrary measures that may work for teams with, with higher payrolls but he knows like we're the Oakland Athletics we don't have as much money to work with like we have to go about this game differently then he happens to be somewhere and picks up on somebody parsing data about players in a way that strikes his imagination so the guy had his eyes open and he knew that there was something wrong and he knew he was looking for something, but he didn't know what it was until he saw it. And that was something that really blew me away about him.
1: And I love that, that he wasn't the one that came up with the data or came up with the Mm -hmm. idea to crunch the numbers, but he was such a good leader and such a good, so good at what he does that he was able to recognize that there's a problem. First of all, recognize something was different about this guy who was, you know, standing in the corner, whispering in people's ears and like sought him out, confronted him, hired him. To me, that's a CEO, man. Like that is somebody who like I don't do it, but I'm going to find who's going to take a, like, figure out how to get us to the top and put the team around Mm -hmm. me to make it happen. Like, I I respect that.
0: I love that point because what do great leaders do? Constant self-reflection and that moment when, uh, I was going to make fun of the quote, but now I have to be serious because when he calls him, would you have taken me in the first round? Like, how harrowing was that? Because we've seen clips of him as a child being...
2: He knew the answer was going to be something he didn't like, therefore he asked the question. And that's just another, in my opinion, uh, a reflection of the fact that that guy was looking for whole in everything that everyone knew and was trying to fill them in unconventional ways and he was even willing to put himself out there and his legacy and his whatever legacy he had uh which was very little and maybe being picked in the first round he was willing to put that out there and have that like torpedoed in order to test the ability of this other guy to be truthful like you said CEO that is a leader man is just enabling the best people around you to be the best people around you. Pack your bags, Pete. Just bought you from the Cleveland Indians. God, that whole movie just had endless tingle moments. Yeah. Like that. Also, are we going to talk about the music? Is that a category? Oh, it has to be. Both are fantastic. Okay, never mind. We'll we'll get to that.
1: Let's go and talk about it now. I was just going to say, the music in Moneyball is so profoundly good. Yes, it is. (laughs) Just that dramatic guitar, that tone. the Very explosions in the sky. Yeah, and it just, like it is so moving and like ah, oh, it just makes me feel things and I just love it so much. It's a little bit grafted
0: from you know Friday Night Lights, Explosions in the Sky, the band that did the soundtrack for Friday Night Lights. That reverby, delayed guitar. They definitely grafted it. For, it doesn't make it less impactful, but it's really neat to see how this random band I just from had Texas. To shit that, on it,
2: huh? Just had to shit on it. I like, had to shit on. Yeah.
0: No, I'm not shitting on. I'm just saying <laughs> they're like an indie band from Austin, Texas, and they only do instrumentals. They don't do lyrics. I know in, it's amazing. And they and for some reason in sports films like that. That genre. I don't think it was them in Moneyball, but it sounds exactly like Friday Night Lights. And it's mm-hmm. always, every time it comes on, you just can't help but like get emotional. You're you just
1: lean like, in and you just start to well up. <laughs> yeah. Was that just me? I don't know. No,
0: no. Just, dude. Dude, I welled up for both. And I told you both. I've cried every time I've seen Jerry Maguire. Well, but we have to talk about the music for Jerry Maguire too, because I'll just get into it now because we do have a, a director category, but Cameron Crowe is a musical director. And there's a reason for this. And, and a lot of people may not know this, but the reason that Almost Famous was such a great film was because it was based on his life. Cameron Crowe was a journalist for the Rolling Stones before he was a director, and he his whole job was to document touring with the Allman Brothers. He's very musical. Um, his fr- One of his very first movies was the movie Singles, which was a movie about a band. It was about romance, but it was about these bands during the grunge scene. Matt Dillon played the lead singer of a band called Citizen Dick, and Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam was in it. Soundgarden was in it. Allison Chains was in it. All the great grunge bands were in this movie because they were all friends with Cameron Crowe, and it was a movie about romance in the grunge scene. He married uh, Nancy Wilson from Heart. You know the song Barracuda. She's not just a rocker. She's a beautiful composer. She composed all the acoustic music for Vanilla Sky. All the acoustic tunes that you hear in Jay McGuire—that's Nancy Wilson. They divorced in 2010. Um, all man, that you see. got
2: the facts tonight. Yeah.
0: Well, I told you guys in college. If you would said, "Who's your favorite director?" I would say Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Um, that's cool, man.
1: Yeah. The guitar work is really, really nice. Yeah. Like, you I, know, I, I, oh, just sorry. watching all the because I I went through the thing on the DVD or whatever, watching all the bonus features, and every time like something would end it would go back to the home screen and that like little guitar riff or whatever would start and it just it always just made me kind of feel happy and yeah it's very
0: very catchy mm-hmm. he chooses songs that are so beautiful I mean this is going to sound really out- outlandish but the, the soundtrack to Vanilla Sky changed my life musically I'm a musician it was so beautiful that's where I discovered Sigur Rós the first time the Icelandic band just made me cry Paul McCartney <laughs> made, made me cry say that's, that's
2: where I discovered cigarettes yeah. um, <laughs> made me smoke in my mind it made my wife I was like oh, Paul <laughs> McCartney <laughs> (laughs) covered cigarettes. Paul
0: McCartney (laughs) Paul McCartney wrote the theme song for Vanilla Sky. He wrote a song called Vanilla Sky for the movie. I mean he's just he's just musical and I have a rando for that we'll get to later but anyway it's it's well documented. Vanilla
1: Sky versus Moneyball.
0: Yes. Anyway
1: experiences? I watched Moneyball when it came out. I just remember being blown away by the math behind it all. (laughs) Like that was a completely new concept to me as a baseball fan. Like baseball was uh, it meant so much to me growing up as a kid. My dad was a big fan and we'd watch games together and we went to go see games as a family and all the things. So baseball was an institution. Um, So watching Moneyball and just kind of seeing a new way to look at statistics and how to build a winning team like that. I just loved that peek behind the curtain. Jerry Maguire, I watched uh, in college probably 2008 2009, something like that, I was kind Mm -hmm. of like, me and my roommate were like, and I'm on a movie kick, and we were like, kind of going through some greats, you know, the 90s that we had missed, or that we were maybe too young to watch at the time, and uh, as a huge huge football fan, Mm -hmm. again, I loved that peek behind the curtain of the business world, of the NFL, you know, getting to see some of my favorite players, you know, the 90s Troy Aikman making an appearance, you know, it was just very, very cool to just sort of like, get a glimpse of how things operate in sports, And, and to me, that is the connective tissue to these movies is two dynamic A-lister performances kind of playing the role of a a businessman in those different sports and showing how to win, how to further the Mm -hmm. business of sports and entertainment. So I just adore both these films.
2: Phil. Both of these movies, oddly enough, I saw relatively recently, including Jerry Maguire. I, I had seen like pieces of it on television and, you know, possibly when my parents rented it back in the day, but it wasn't until probably a year ago that my wife and I watched it together and I was, it was just one of those movies that blew me away. It was so good. And it was one of those things where I was like, how did I go so long without seeing this? And I was just so happy that I finally saw it. And then of course we got to cover it for this podcast because it's one of the greats period in movies. And then, you know, I mean, it's got great quotes. It's, it's just a great film. And then Moneyball was one of those movies. I saw it when it came out and then I saw it again with my wife a few years ago and then was just stoked to watch it again for this podcast because I remembered that I loved it, but didn't remember all the details and what a great movie that was. It was one of those movies that I was like, how is this not a movie that is just more renowned in film? Just yeah. because it's one of the most, it's going to be hard to say this without like blaspheming other films that have been made. But like the cohesion and the complete way that that story was told on the screen mm. was perfect. I don't want to say that a lot, you know, but that movie was <laughs> yeah. just from a storytelling standpoint and from just a getting an idea across standpoint, mm. you can't beat the way that, that story was told. It made something that would otherwise be, for all intents and purposes, kind of like a boring data-driven story. It made it really great because it brought in the drama and the tension of Billy Bean against the organization and it really brought to light a lot of facts about baseball, probably sports in general, that I think most people don't think about. Like, there's yep. way more to all sports than like can this guy fucking execute it's it, it brought to light like that that baseball it looks at the person's appearance it looks at the way they swing the bat the whole game of all sports is a product at the end of the day mm-hmm. and billy bean was just trying to put a winning team together and he didn't care about the product and so that that movie just hit me on mm-hmm. a level all right man it just hit me real deep because one i love baseball and to me like i'm a really results driven person so i don't really care about all the the super. Lewis bullshit around a lot of things in that mm. movie really tried to cut through that and tell a story about a guy who was just trying to do something great. It just hit me on a really deep level. So God, I love that. Great films, man.
0: I think what you're getting at is, and let me re, i just tell me if I'm wrong, but what rephrasing Mansplain for me, Kyle. Yeah, Mansplain. I'm gonna man explain to you. What <laughs> rephrasing what you just said, Moneyball cuts to the core emotionally, and mm-hmm. it doesn't try that hard. It's very simple. No. It's very simple, but it's also accessible. Like I think my my wife is not a sports fan, but Moneyball resonated with her i think the way the movie's made it's very plain i'm not saying plain in a bad way it's just plain in a good way it is it's just kind of what it is no one's overacting they're yes. telling the story but it's so accessible and there are moments where you're just like they pick their spots and it's usually with the daughter right when he's with his daughter all of a sudden it's mm-hmm. the only time billy bean smiles it's the only time his eyes light up it's the only time he
2: feels human which that's a lot that's nuance it is like, that's some serious storytelling nuance for a film like that especially where it has a singular focus and it's to tell a really bizarre story and but they really mm-hmm really get that humanity of him with his kid.
0: And I think if you look, at Jerry Maguire is a little bit the opposite, whereas it's really energized. But what it is, is that Jerry, what he gets energy from completely changes. And that's the emotional moment for that. So even though it's a little more commercialized, it's a little more charismatic, over the top. It's that, those quick cuts, random interviews. What it really happens is is that transformation from what gives him life. So both of these movies really hit those emotional notes.
1: Well, the thing that about Moneyball, I loved and you said it well, it was kind of subtle and I love that like I already mentioned he was not the one to find you know start crunching the numbers and the data but he located the person and then again like at the end it would have been easy from a storytelling perspective to fudge it and be like yeah he went to the next team and won a world series doing like yay but he turned it down he chose his family and then the the payoff but the, the audience still got the payoff of you know two years later whatever, the, the Red Sox yeah. won it and then when it hits you with that next line using that the process or the method that Billy being created like Mm. oh you just like that those chills it's like man that it's like there's a subtlety it's like the easy like obvious storytelling thing is like he's great and then he went on to be great and he did the thing but it was like no he had the insight to find a method that was great using other people and using those relationships and then also you know turn down a potential job for his family and they went on You like it just it was just great it hit
2: on all levels that was something that hit me really hard too was that Billy being turned down a job with one of the most storied franchises in all of baseball he had learned from his past experience of doing what appeared to be the right thing but the ended up thing. being the wrong thing like that was a man who like you could tell throughout the movie he was focused on all the right things it wasn't about the appearance of the players it was about the results of the players and then at the end of the movie it wasn't about the big job and the big paycheck. It was about the right job and also his family. He learned from his bad decisions in the past and made the right call for himself. And I think, you know, depending on who you are and the way you look at that and and your life story, you're probably gonna see his decision differently. But in my opinion, the man made the right decision. He turned down the big job to be close to his kid because at the end of the day it's like there's going to come a time where everybody's going to forget who that is but his kid never will and, and that's what matters most.
1: To Phil's point about the uh, I forget what point you made that sparked this thought but Moneyball makes an audience ask questions about baseball like oh like certain teams have more salary cap than others and this is what it's like to it's such a fascinating peek mm-hmm. into that world. It's not a fair sport and you think of like a, a professional baseball team you're like oh well, the, the athletics it must just be like the New York Yankees because they're a major league baseball team. It's not. Nope. It's like a freaking minor league team compared to, you know, that Bank echelon roll. of team. So it's all just very fascinating to me.
0: My experiences is my young days, it was the action movies. It's obsessed with Cobra, obsessed with RoboCop. We've established that. But I had a college phase where Cameron Crowe, Jerry Maguire was my movie. And it was really unorthodox. I've always been a diehard football fan. In fact, Drew and I, one of our original tenants of our friendship was our love for the same team, the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Maguire was so interesting because I never loved Tom Cruise and, the, and and I'll get to this in our in one, one of our categories but Tom Cruise is a mega fucking movie star. He is a movie star. Especially if, in the 90s. God, he is like a this, star. You can, you can make the case this was his apex.
1: Yes. Like at least this year because I think either right before or right after this he did Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what, that was like yeah. the peak. Yeah. The, the the tippy top of his career. The way I
0: describe him though is that if he's a weapon, like you got to prepare to destroy the whole forest or whatever you're trying Trying to destroy because you gotta prepare you wanna you wanna have the whole Tom Cruise, which is the charisma, the energy, the the faces, like you wanna have the in, running. Yes. He always has the great <laughs> run in every movie. He, there's a YouTube video. I
1: think there's a YouTube there uh, video that someone put together of all Tom Cruise movies of him just running. Yeah. For, eight, for eighteen <laughs> what a minutes. It's eighteen minutes of him running in movies. If I could compare him to anything running, he's a
2: buzzsaw. He's just, <laughs> yeah. Kyler Murray style. Just yeah. like <laughs> guy old who's got their ass on fire just fucking hauling it. Yeah.
0: But there are times, though, when he is perfectly cast that he just dominates. And Jerry Maguire, I don't think they ever had anyone else in mind. Cameron Crowe, uh, Tom Cruise approached him about the role. And he said, I I know about this role. Very interested. Can we just talk? And so they did readings. And they just they just had talks. And, and now they're very good friends. That's what led to Vanilla Sky. What, yeah,
1: Cruise had seen a different movie that Crowe had directed mm-hmm. and walked out and was like, dear... God. Who I wanna directed meet- that movie? I forget which film it was, but... Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He said, I want to meet him. He yeah, was, I he walked meet out of one of Crow's movies and was like, that was, I, I have to work with that guy. Whoever directed that movie, I want to make a movie with that guy. And that's, that's so cool. That's what happened.
0: So in that way, Tom Cruise is a guy that, like, when he's perfectly aligned, when the role is made for him, he just dominates. You know, and I just love Jerry Maguire. I don't know what it was. It, it just, it made me tear up. I love the relationship. Even though I'm not a huge Renee Zellweger person, there was enough there to where I just Love that relationship. I love Cuba Gooding Jr. Rod Tidwell oh, is what such a dynamic a, character. Di- dynamic. Did you say dynamic? Because he starts off, he's annoying. You're like, what the fuck? He's arrogant. He reminded me. Of, I feel. Do you feel like Chad Ocho Cinco took all of his inspiration from Rod Tidwell?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, and b- know, before crazy. Ocho, c- yeah, like he yeah. was like the OG. Like he really dialed into that. Like uh, you know, I want the ball. I want the money. Like I'm the star. Like you need me. That that whole c- yes. just that career charisma and charm that Mm -hmm. is like an NFL superstar.
0: What gets me even more than the romantic relationship is their brotherhood. Because that is Jerry's transformation. Because I'm telling you guys, these movies are about rebirth and transformation and he is his only client. He wanted less client, fewer clients, he wanted less money and he got it. And boy did he get a fucking maniac in Rod Tidwell. But their relationship as it develops, you're like, God, I would love to have a friendship like this. Like the way eventually it's so endearing. Remember the moment when he tells him when like he's not going to get a new contract and he could get hurt. He's like, you could get hurt. Did you feel like Jill's like, wow, he cares. He doesn't want his, he has a family. Like in a way, Jerry supported his family Mm -hmm. in that moment. And it was that moment to me, I was like, God, he cares. They care about each other. They're crazy. They're two totally different, annoying people to each other, but they love each other. And that friendship was so endearing. It's one of the best all-time friendships in film.
1: Yeah, I was watching one of the bonus features uh, Crow was talking about when he was writing the screenplay. He thought the Quan thing was going to be the iconic thing that took took off and became quotable. He's like, I just felt really good about the Quan, the idea of the mm-hmm. Quan and like, you know, uh, this whatever, this idea. He thought that was going to be really clever and take off or be the quotable thing. Uh, and show me the money. He was like, I don't know. Show me the money. I didn't even think about, right? Like when I wrote that, I didn't think twice about it. Show oh, me the money is the thing that took off and became the
0: like. Yeah, it yeah. like so. It's, it somehow entered the echelon of top 10 most iconic yeah. quotes.
2: Oh, that is, or, I mean, yeah, that is a, a timeless quote.
1: As quotable as it is, and it probably is like top 10, top 15 all time in film. It's still not the most quotable quote in that movie which mm-hmm. is, you know, you had me a hello and you complete me. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. It's got so many. Like this single yeah. script has just some juggernauts you know, tied to it. So interesting beautiful and finishing
0: on on the Jerry Maguire part you know these are Cameron Crowe movies are musicals that aren't musicals like musicals are song and dance but his articulation his musical background his obsession working for Rolling Stone his marriage previously to Nancy Wilson his obsession with music mm. is so apparent and he just and mm. we'll get to more there's so many randos about it but he's so musical and as a music lover it really aligns with me um, Moneyball is a movie that I saw on a whim at this point I didn't have a ton of respect for Brad Pitt yet now he's my favorite actor I think I've decided <laughs> He's so Wait, hold on. In 2005, you didn't have respect for Brad Pitt yet? Not enough. No, huh. no I didn't. He's done a lot of things. That's what I'm saying. I saw Moneyball on a Whim, my wife and I, before we had kids. You we didn't
2: were... like him in Pirates of the Caribbean?
0: Uh, Wait a minute. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was Bradley, Dept. Uh, Bradley, Bradley Depp. Bradley
1: Depp. <laughs> Depp. You didn't even pronounce. He's Johnny Depp's last name correctly.
0: <laughs> Happy birthday, Bradley
2: world. being. Uh,
0: but we saw it on a whim. It was a double feature back when we had kids. Can you imagine going to two movies in a row, by the way? now that we're all dads. We saw Ides of March and Moneyball, and I went to see Ides of March because it was Ryan Gosling, and I Mm -hmm. love Ryan Gosling. And then I I felt like I was kind of getting roped into a good deal on Moneyball. All of a sudden, I'm just blown away. And then Brad Pitt is blowing my mind. I was like, where did this dynamic range come from with Brad Pitt? Because I always kind of associated him. I still, Legends of Fall, which is a good movie, but he was a hunk, right? He was a sexy hunk, man love. But this dude has range. And, And Moneyball was one of the first movies I saw with Pitt where I was like, this dude is an actor. So anyway, I loved it. These randos will complete you. Oh, sure. That's right. These are Jerry Maguire randos. So I already talked about Cameron Crowe being, he toured with the Allman Brothers. He's very musical. So here's how musical Cameron Crowe is in Jerry Maguire. His wife, Nancy Wilson, at the time, they divorced in 2010. For those that don't know, Nancy Wilson was heart, you know, Barracuda. She does all the beautiful acoustic co- compositions for Jerry Maguire. The guy that plays the, the, maybe one of the other iconic lines that you don't re- didn't recall was, that's what uh, the balls line is like, you put your balls out there. That's Jerry Cantrell, lead guitar player from Allison Chains. Chains. Um, <laughs> Courtney Love, the, the late Kurt Cobain's wife and lead singer of Hole, auditioned to be the girl that talked Jerry's ear off in first class. They're like, oh, tell me about your fiance. That was going to be Courtney Love originally from Hole. Oh, no way. And it just hit me recently that Glenn Fry, one of the guitar players from the Eagles, plays the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals in this movie. So think about all the musicians <laughs> in this movie. Tying this rando off, this is how Cameron Crowe uses music. I wanted to talk about this earlier, but this is what the randos for. He picks songs. They're not necessarily the songs you'll hear in the score, but faintly in the background, he'll pick a song to play while the actors are acting to set the mood. For example, during the sex scene with uh, Tom Cruise's fiance, he played an Aerosmith oh, where song.
2: She's like, don't stop fucking me. Yeah. And he's like, I have to eventually. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, was a funny, weirdly awkward, literal funny. moment. There, <laughs> yeah.
0: there was an Aerosmith yeah. song playing in the background on set and they do, I don't know how. Oh,
2: they, I don't want the world to fuck me because <laughs> I don't think that they'd understand. Oh, Oh, wrong yeah. band yeah. sorry yeah. i don't
0: know how they do it without making it bleed over but that's how he that's how music how music leads him as a director and i love that they pulled in writer james l brooks for this and his goal was he wanted this movie to begin where 80s movies begin sorry let me rephrase it future phil fuck <laughs> they pulled fuck in your phil he wanted this movie to begin where eighty movies, eighties movies, tick, typically end. Eighty um, movies typically <laughs>
1: yeah. do it again. The, do, it do it again. Eighty tip picking, <laughs> movies. Where eighty
0: different movies begin. Fuck this rando. It's too complex. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I think it's interesting. Future Phil, take three, man. You know how eighty movies end, where the good guy finds goodness and <laughs> <Stop> finds. <up. laughs>
2: fuck. James Earl Jones wanted this movie. To be- <laughs> Shut the
0: fuck up. <laughs> James L. Brooks' goal was to write this story as if where '80s movies typically end. He wanted Jerry Maguire to begin. You know, the whole a guy finds goodness and finds his way back. He almost wanted that to be kind of reversed. Really interesting. So that was his whole monster I love for that. writing. Man, 80s.
2: it's so cool to to see the thought process behind these because, like, you do notice that for lack of a better phrase, like Jerry finds God early in the movie, and then it's the whole thing about him justifying his uh, mission there
0: and going through regret.
2: Yeah, totally. And and. It's interesting that uh, James Earl Jones wanted to make a movie where uh, he, you know, an 80 movie... He wanted to make 80 movies where... (laughs) This guy finds God or whatever. No, I'm kidding. And the way James like, Earl Jones baseball. directed this movie was... Dude, he wore well, the his work suit the whole time. Directing Field of Dreams
1: time. and now this. Dude, what a turnaround.
0: Um, I think we were all blown away by Regina King. I mean... She was pretty awesome. She's electric. She,
1: she really matched Tidwell's energy in a lot of ways. And kind of almost... You know, it's like that whole trope or cliche like behind every good man is a great woman or whatever it is. Like that she really kind of was his juju. Like she really yeah. inspired him and compelled him when he was starting to crumble or when ready to cave and take a worse deal. She's like, you're better than this. Mm-hmm. Like She she really was the wind beneath his wings. Well, you may be blown away by this, Randall, because what you said is exactly
0: true about every good man. And this will impact a couple of these randos. but Cameron Crowe got access to the NFL draft as part of preparation for this movie. The NFL gave him access. That's why we have Warren Moon is in the movie, Troy Aikman. And he interviewed all of these agents. And um, Tom Brady's agent when he was young still, Like he interviewed him like, for this movie. And one of the agents told him, beware of the protective wife. He's like the protective wife will make your life hell. They'll work you harder than anyone in your constituency. So Regina King's character that. is the birth of the real that's idea which so is cool. there are protective wives that you have to deal with as an agent when you're when you're representing their athlete. Jerry is the combo of several of these agents so he met Stevie, all these crazy Tom Brady's agent, Rosenthal, all the greats. Rosenthal,
2: that's the legend, yeah. yeah.
0: He met all these legendary guys. Some of them were younger than are big legends now. They were just getting their start. Wait, Wait, they
2: were younger back then? Yeah, they were younger. You, this movie's older. They're shit. older now,
0: but they were younger because this movie was made years ago. Man, math. My it's fucking insane mind. how
2: time works. Math, oh, like Moneyball. Like, dude, there's math in all these movies. Mm-hmm. It's pinch crazy. Hitters,
0: you gotta pinch hit. Jerry Maguire is the combination of all these people. So, Cameron Crowe was meeting all these people at the NFL draft, pulling little things, and he basically just built the super agent from all the characteristics of meeting these people.
1: You know what I love about these two movies being matched up? What are the two biggest sports of our time?
2: Football and badminton. Football and baseball. yeah, yeah. Oh, Very American. Sorry. Which
1: you could say basketball, but it's football and baseball.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are the two biggest movie stars of our time in the last 30 years? Tom, Tom Cruise. Wow, yeah. Would you say Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Again, you could Without say Arnold doubt. or, you, you know, there's yeah. some others in there, but, mm-hmm. you know. No, Brad Pitt. Definitely Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise.
0: These guys are hitting triple A movie star status all the time. They're hitting pay dirt. Football term. Um
2: They're hitting money ball.
0: This rando blew my mind mind more than any of them they started doing table reads for this. There was this epic table read. So they wanted Damon Wayans originally for the Rod Tidwell role. He was unavailable.
2: I feel like he would have been awesome though. He He would have. He was like firing on all cylinders in the Mm mid-90s.
0: And Cuba was not a a, like a still not a well-known entity at the time. So last minute the agent calls Cuba Gooding. He's like, we need somebody for this table read. Damon Wayans is going to do it, but he can't be there. And so he shows up. Robin Williams is reading as Jerry Maguire because Tom Cruise was unavailable. The Wilson brothers, Owen and Luke Wilson were reading as Bob Sugar and Cushman. So this table read was insane. And Cuba Gooding didn't have a job. He literally was there. He was paid to just read. He didn't have an acting job. And they said the energy that he brought, his and he was going toe to toe, and they have sound bites of this on the 20th anniversary Blu-ray of Jerry Maguire, of him going back and forth, doing the Quan, and doing all these crazy things with Robin Williams. And it doesn't say this, but Robin Williams sounds like, wow. Like, he's really blown away. And Robin Williams is one of the greatest dramatic actors, one of the greatest comedians we've ever seen. So I don't you guys just wish you could have gotten a table side to this table read? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially to, to be a fly on movies. that wall. Yeah. Incredible. And lastly, for Jerry Maguire, when they're making all the phone calls when they fire Jerry and he's trying to get all his clients and the one lady is like, oh my God, Jerry, I just feel so bad. And she goes into the line and she doesn't know that she's, talking, yep. she's still talking. She's like, yeah. hey, this is Sam, whatever. That happened to Cameron Crowe. He offered a role that was based on him offering a role to an actress, and she was so upset, so upset, and then she went to the line not realizing she was still talking to Cameron. Hello! You All bubbly. That was based on something that actually happened to Cameron Crow. Spoiler alert, these Moneyball randos get on base, and that's all that matters. Boom. Boom. Alright. I love this rando. This is probably the rando that blew me most, blew me away most of all these. <laughs> it, it blew, blew you, me, the, blew you me the most. most.
1: Sit
2: dear, dear fucking, Phil,
0: dear God. Yeah, this living room is throwing me off. You're going to have a lot of work sure. to do. The head scout in Moneyball. He's played by a guy named Ken Medlock. So Ken Medlock was a professional baseball player drafted by the Dodgers in 1967. He was in the major league movies. He did a lot of baseball movies, but he was in shows like NCIS, The Shield. Like he has acted a lot, but they asked him because he was a base, a professional baseball player. When they were thinking about having him in this role, they said, what do you think about Billy Bean? And this is why they hired him. He said, Billy Bean is really ruin the game of baseball. Wow. That's the actor who was a professional baseball player's response when they were interviewing him to play the role. So they hired him instantly (laughs) because that confrontation was very real because that's how he felt about the real Billy Bean. (gasps) That's cool. Wow. Isn't that, that's like a full circle rando right
2: there. very
1: cool meta rando. Well, I
2: mean, they got him in there because he would, he could probably wouldn't have to act to feel angry about that whole situation. He just would channel his own experience. And I don't feel like people are going to, because it's Pitt and it's Jonah Hill, Like they're not going to talk about that role as
0: much, but Grady like played that. Also, all those scouts were great grizzle old dudes of the tradition oh, yeah. of the game. They all nailed it. The hearing aids and the, yeah. the horrible clothing, the bad hair, they all look like yeah. they're back from a smoke break. Those guys nailed it. I loved it. So the the famous game number 20 where there's a lot of tension, you know, the KC, Kansas City makes the comeback. They actually refilmed that. As you notice, they they get away with using a lot of real game footage so they didn't have to film all the sport footage, you know, over again. They did do that game 20. They mirrored it. So everything they did was actually f- perfectly mirroring the game footage from that game. So they just refilmed it. Most of the film they're using, you know, footage from real games and stuff. But that was actually choreographed to be exactly like the real footage. Really cool. And last rando, um, Chris Pratt, who on this incredibly deep roster of actors, he was the only actor who hadn't played college baseball on this team. So they hired a bunch of ex-athletes, actors who were like previous athletes to play these roles. But Chris Pratt had never played baseball. But after he met Scott Hatterberg and, and like interviewed him, worked with him, and he mentored him to like Chris Pratt, he mentored Chris Pratt to be like him. His kids showed up to watch him play their dad And they were like freaked out. They literally said, like, which one's my dad? (laughs) Like, they were so blown away by Chris Pratt's performance. Wow. And actually, I forgot, there is one more rando. Who's this is my a, daddy? This is... A, yeah. yeah. This is really huge. Stephen Bishop, who plays um, Justice. What's his name? Is it Dave David? David Justice? Justice. Stephen Bishop, who plays David, was a professional baseball player. He grew up idolizing David Justice. He looks like him. A lot of people told him that he looked exactly like him. He became friends with him while they played on the Braves. And so they were oh, wow. actually already friends. Whenever they asked him to play this role, the real David Justice mentor, him and so get cool. out. There's oh, a, that's so cool. There's some crazy full circle randos, right? I love that. So yeah, the real David Justice, who looks exactly like the actor, mentored him to play him because uh, they were teammates on the Braves. That's super cool. They had a ton of real baseball players on the staff. They had technical advisors. They had actors. Like,
2: I, I don't know if this will make much sense, but people who play baseball just fucking love baseball. And any chance to get close to the game again, whether it's on the field or in a movie, they're going to do it. So I feel like getting those guys to advise on that level or help, help the actors out or even be a part of the film. That's not a big ask for those guys. They're like, oh shit, we're going to make a movie about baseball. Let's do this. Those guys are just in.
1: It's also really sad that Jeremy Giambi, like while we were covering this particular film, he tragically passed away and committed suicide could, a week because before I before we recorded just like, this. L- you know learned about him and oh it's jason jammy's brother and oh wow he was a he was a dynamic ball player but kind of had his demons and like i'd had that education about that whatever that no, situation that, I, very, and then very, i was very, watching espn the other day while in the middle of this and saw that he tragically had lost his life and
2: man that that was really strange it, it, like so many of these movies this matchup has been on our list for a long time and we could have covered it at any point but like i i think all of us watched Moneyball prior to his passing. And between us watching these films and right now recording this episode, the man took his own life. That was just, that's a weird feeling. Not like, you know, we're significant in any way, but man, for us to be covering this right now with, with that man having just passed and yeah. him being such a significant part of that story is mm-hmm. just kind of eerie, honestly. Yeah.
0: Rest in peace. Probably probably as a player overshadowed by his brother who, I'm not as keen on baseball as Phil is, but like, what, a, what an interesting character character in the movie. God rest in peace, man. Shall we go to the ninth inning? Shall we go to overtime?
2: Well, we're all baseball games go to the ninth inning. So shall we extra hit, innings? Let's hit the gridiron. Let's hit the grid ball foot. <laughs> so the
0: audience is going to be very disappointed. The iPad was left in Nashville. Oh, <gasps>
2: We're I'm on the so beach. Sorry. No, the iPad. The southern iPad. The iPad, the iPad. iPad man. The, the tool of
0: the man from the deep south. But Drew has some other mystical device that's radiating Much
1: light.
2: Much smaller. Similar function. I
1: do have a device that I use to talk on the phone with my wife. Wait, hold on. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh,
1: and to text me. Yeah. Top Bill cast: Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise. Cuba Gooding Jr. Renee Zellweger.
2: Now, Monkey Ball,
1: Money Ball, Brad Pitt, Robin Wright, Jonah Hill, which you could also add Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. God rest his soul. He was fourth top bill cast for what it's worth. Wow. <sighs> Whew. Um. God, I want to. I just feel
0: passionate about this. I got to start off. As much as I love Jerry Maguire, Renee Zellweger, guys.
2: <laughs> I I didn't know if we were gonna go there. She or not. annoyed
0: me when I was young. She annoys me now. Here, here's in my older age tell me if you agree with this or tell maybe you t- say it in your I own I agree response. with
2: it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sam. She was <laughs> out.
0: She had two lower bill cast in Regina King and Bonnie Hunt who both outacted her in every scene they ran. Is that yeah. fair or unfair?
2: Not to overstep your analysis of the situation. I hate to be this way because once again, a human being, people, you know, there are people that love her and all that stuff, but like there's something about her vibe on screen that just rubs me the wrong way and I cannot put my finger on. It, and I don't mean to sit here and be a critic, but it's 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 really hard to watch her. Yeah, I'm just gonna be honest. And without, I, it's just she just annoys the living. I think the shit hardness
1: to watch is actually kind of part of her whole deal. You think She's, that's part of the shit? <clears throat> yeah, kind of that like scattered single mom vibes, like trying to find her way in the world and raise a kid, but also be cute on a date and like I don't know. I yeah. think she pulled it off. If it, yes, she, she did. There are there are moments it's like it's a little cringy. You could tell it was her early in her career and all those yeah. things. But I think she was kind of charming and, you know, I get why Cruz, I feel like her like her and Cruz's chemistry was really good in a lot of their scenes that they did together. So, you know, I, I can see both sides. I, I want to give her some credit where credit's
0: yeah. due. Yeah, and I do have some dear friends that are single moms and I just feel like they would resonate with some of the elements of her life, like trying to date. But are they annoying? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, don't I do give a have a fuck if you're a single mom. I, I do have
1: God. one complaint, and it's that it's her first scene with Cruz in the airport when she lost her son, and it's like if I'm sorry, I you, you have, I have a five kid. year old and my wife. If we couldn't find our kid, she would be losing her shit, as would I. We yeah. would be running around the airport like screaming his name, like and she's just like I can't find him. <laughs> uh, More like she's Renee
2: like, Zell, where's my child? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's terrible.
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah, it just it it didn't believe it wasn't. Ble- this and we have a leading man category, so we actually are going to do mono mono. But God, this is hard. I, I I'm going to go Jerry Maguire by the skin of the teeth. I do think Jonah Hill is fantastic, and this I think is you're kind. Tough, of this is you're kind, going Jerry Maguire. I am going Jerry Maguire, but I did want to talk about Jonah Hill because this is kind of before. Like, remember he was super bad guy, right? Like this until this film. it Didn't we kind of just think he was super bad? Like,
2: uh, yeah, I I feel like Moneyball. I pr- we could be wrong about this, but this is just totally off the cuff here. But I feel like this was one of his first like not funny boy roles. like not funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he nailed this geek who actually does love baseball, but he loves it differently than anybody else in the world. And I think he nailed that. And I just wanted to say Jonah Hill did. And he's gone on to do so many great roles. And by the way, he plays Peter Brand. Peter Brand is not the real guy. It's based on Paul DePodesta, who is actually now the assistant GM does analytics for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know why they didn't want to use his real name if he let them. But Cleveland
2: he's a... Browns, the football team? Yep.
0: He now is in football. Yep. He moved over to football from the MLB.
2: Weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Very interesting. It really worked out for them, too. That, uh, Dana, oh! <laughs>
1: Dana How's Odell Beckham
0: you, oh. you can't do analytics on Baker Mayfield's broken <clears throat> fucking shoulder. <laughs> yeah. But I do go Jerry McGuire, and here's the reason. I mean, this is literally by a centimeter, okay? Um, Cuba Gooding Jr., it, it, t- as much as Tom Cruise is the movie star, and this is like a role made for him, I love the arc. I love the arrogant, crazy Chad Ochocinco beginnings to the, he's giving him advice on dating. He's got conviction about dating a single mother. like He actually like makes him feel guilty for how he's he's treating uh, Dorothy, and he was totally right to do that. He nailed all these things, and I just think, I love the fact that he wasn't even considered for the role, and I don't know that he's ever really reached this. Has he ever reached this epic of a role again? I mean, I don't know that, I mean, oh, he's in radio. He did a couple other things, but he... I,
2: hmm. yeah, I would say Jeremy this, McGuire this might is be his, probably yeah. his best role. He wins now. it
0: for me. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, but this was Cuba Goodie G rising to the occasion doing multiple things very well. So, Drew.
1: Yeah, I think you have a lot of people kind of at the top of their game in Jerry Maguire. I mm-hmm. think it's probably Cameron Crowe's best outing, right? Probably. Yeah, I agree. I,
0: so I think a lot of people would say almost famous, but I think it's Jerry Maguire.
1: I think you have, you know, I think this is probably Cruz's if not his best movie, his best, definitely his best year, you know, so he's close to his, his top. Uh, Zellweger, this might be her best movie, yeah. if I'm being honest. Diary of Brandy Jones. Uh, You know, so.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> That's her. Yeah, that's her movie. Not Diary of Brandy Jones. Bridget that's how Jones much of a fuck I give about that movie. I was movie. like, what is this? Some fucking spoof of Bridget Jones's I don't Diary? I don't want to watch or... a
0: movie that starts Diary of Anything unless it's Diary of Charles it Manson. It doesn't
2: start with Diary of Anything. It's Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, diary that's... is, in fact, the last fuck word that movie. in that title. Ooh. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Drew. Didn't mean to piss on your in mom. today's episode, Bridget Jones's Diary versus Vanilla Sky.
2: <laughs> Bridget Jones's Diary versus... D- Guys,
1: yeah. can I be honest with you? This is really hard. It is. These are great movies. I just, I love them both so much. I can't. Why are you going to make me choose? Uh, uh, I'm going to say
0: Just like football, it's a game of
1: inches. I'm going to say that it might be Phil's turn. Oh, no, nice. no, no, I'll go. Is Let me this go. our first deferral? I, I no. feel
2: like you were, you had the RPO there and <laughs> you had the option to keep it and throw the pass, but you just handed it to me. Ladies and gentlemen. You just stuck it in the gut. I wasn't expecting it.
1: But then I ripped it back. But you ripped we, it and back. And, and now I'm, we fumbled. And then then the ball's we on the ground. Oh, uh, okay, so I'm going to say simply because I was just moved more by Moneyball and Brad Pitt. I, I truly, uh, well, I'm going to give them both love. So I'm going to give them both love. Tom Cruise, the most believable Charming, schmarmy, kind of like agent y kind of thing, but you also believe that he had a good heart. Like, there was just like that. It was, he struck a perfect balance. Brad Pitt, this like kind of tortured. Soul of a former baseball player who didn't quite live up to his dreams, but still had a passion for the the game he loved. But still, like, felt like it was he was leaving the game behind and trying to drag it along. And like, I, it, there was something about that that just was so compelling and inspiring. So, they're both incredible. But I gotta go Moneyball just because I think Brad Pitt, the pleats in his slacks, are so great.
2: Yes. <laughs> You cannot go wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a PSA real quick. It really fucking pisses me off when old movies get a lot of jerks from people just because they're old and people like them better because they're old. Hey. And it's like, well, this old movie can't be as good as the new movie because hey. it's old, and so that's why I'll go Moneyball because fuck old movies. No, I'm just hey. kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's getting some jabs. I'm, I'm just, I'm playing. It's like <laughs> This is this is old and therefore it's better because I'm going to call Dr. Peter Weller
0: from RoboCop right now.
2: You want to talk? I'm going to go Moneyball. It has actually nothing to do with the fact that Jerry Maguire is older. I just think the performances in Moneyball were more authentic and more convincing um, from the lead actors. Jerry Maguire felt like a movie, whereas Moneyball felt like a film. I don't know what that means to you, but that's what I, it means that to me. Go ahead and look those up in the dictionary and shit on me on reddit.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, you're going to have a lot of editing.
2: Yeah, no, I'm not going to have a lot of <laughs> editing. That's what this podcast is about. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what you signed up for. Kay. So, uh there we go, Moneyball.
0: One thing we didn't Okay, <laughs> oh Moneyball my. wins, but you know one thing we didn't discuss, why does Robin Wright get top bill on this? She's in two scenes and one of them she's on the phone. Well, see
1: the, it, here's here's there is, I, I don't know how we can trust IMDb because the when I pull up it on the home screen it says Brad Pitt, Robin Wright, Jonah Hill. Yes. Why wow. does she but get second But then if you click top cast, like you click it and then it just... All you see is cast. Then it's the three guys: it's Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Robin Wright is fourth, so it's like
2: I think that, that does IMDb feels more just right bump
1: like? Does she? They just put the most popular female in the movie to yeah. the second slot. Oh, I'm
0: curious because if Philip Seymour Hoffman is in the top three, then I go Moneyball. I
1: know it. it changes the
0: whole yeah. thing. I mean, I went Moneyball either way, but still, yeah,
2: I go Moneyball either way because let's yeah. just keep it how it is and we'll just do it. I think Pitt's, it is
0: a worthy question for the. Population. So, Robin Wright being second mentioned
1: above Jonah Hill. <laughs> I think the reason I went Moneyball is because Pitt just seemed like a much more difficult role. Cruz felt like he was just being himself. Yeah, like that cruise. nothing was ever more like it's like if Tom Cruise couldn't be an actor like what He'd would he be good agent. at? <laughs> He'd be a sports yeah. agent. Like he th- it just felt like he was. He was being
2: Tom arms.
0: Cruise, the weapon of mass destruction
2: yeah. that he is. The Cruise missile of mass destruction. That's right. One to zero.
0: These are tough. These are so good. Uh, best supporting cast. Get out the mo- miniature
1: device. Get
2: out the iPhone. Get out the future Krypton. Oh crypton. my God! So how did
1: we break this down? I don't even know. This feel Phil, is Philip in top? Yeah. Uh, no, we're gonna. We're just gonna keep going with what we we're We're just gonna
2: roll. If we're wrong, then we're wrong. Guess what, dude? If we're <laughs> wrong, then fuck off. I don't, right, give, money I don't even ball. give a shit. We're gonna get corrected and get you know go wreck your correction somewhere else. God damn If it. you
1: if you have a complaint please feel free to start your own
2: podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Go Put it them. in the trash. Whatever. Supporting
1: cast for Moneyball, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Chris Pratt, little uh, up-and-comer there, Ooh. Chris Pratt. Mm. The next listed is Stephen Bishop, who played David Justice. Mm-hmm. Did a great job. And then uh, for Moneyball, we have Kelly Preston, mm. flaunting much of herself. <laughs> Bonnie Hunt, and Regina King and yeah. Jerry O'Connell and Jay Moore. Yeah, if you if yeah. I mean, we got to go I deep. Sk- I skipped a few, but yeah, let's 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 include them all. And Troy Aikman
0: and Troy Aikman and Warren Moon and. Uh, I'll just start. I just. I, <laughs> what I, do I'm, you think, I, don't, I, know why, I don't know there. why I'm taking taking the reins today. Um,
1: God, this is fucking Drew. Go, you go, Drew. <laughs> I'll go. I'm ready. Uh, to me, uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. Wow. <laughs> Jeremy, Giammi. Jeremy, apocalypse, Jeremy. apocalypse, oh, no. apocalypse. <laughs> <Too soon>. Uh <laughs> Jeremy, wow. <laughs> Apocalypse now. (laughs) What a day we've had. All right. So I'm going to say Jerry Maguire because Regina King, dynamic secret weapon of Rod Tidwell. Bonnie Hunt, who just is always so good, but you forget how funny she is. I don't think she gets enough credit for like some of the jokes she slips in there in her conversations with. She kind of plays that in like in every great rom com, there's a good best friend. She sort of plays that, you know, this isn't a stereotypical rom com. It's like a a 50% rom com, but she plays that sort of like best friend role and I think she does it great. So uh yeah, I'm gonna say Jerry McGuire. I, th- I like the, I think it was a deeper cut. Really good. Doesn't good Bonnie
2: Hunt look like somebody who would just be in Seventh Heaven? Seventh for, Heaven. Just, I also thought she would just be in it for no reason.
0: I also thought she was Helen Hunt's sister my whole life
2: and she's not.
1: I think she could be Jessica Beale's teacher, like junior yeah. high school like history teacher or something. There, is,
2: there are actors over the years that you're like, they just look like they could be in Seventh Heaven. She's one of them. Phil. Um, uh, <laughs> I go Moneyball because if Phillip's Seymour Hoffman is in that supporting cast. Then I I can't go against that. He doesn't strike me as somebody who would be into sports. I could be totally wrong, but like he played a baseball manager really well. That guy, mm-hmm. like I just believed him in that role. Um, he really wanted
0: that role, by the way. He approached them about it. They didn't. Approach he
2: was him fantastic first. in that role. Like whenever I watch a movie and I just like strongly dislike the person playing the role, then they've done their job, and and in my opinion, they have nailed what they're trying. Trying to do as an actor, and and that just wins for me. He was fantastic in that. No disrespect to Jerry Maguire, and it sounds like I'm I've like taken up some vendetta against old movies here, and I'm I'm not trying to do that. You're but, an um, oldest. It's not even that yeah, old. I'm an elderlyest. If the movie came out almost while 30 you're alive, years ago. you can't say it's old. Yeah, it's bro. almost 30 years old, something like that. I don't know. There are 27 year olds walking around that are as old as Jerry Maguire. Just think about that for a it's second. It's 25. I don't old. even know. Um, but yeah, I go Moneyball because once again, it was like Jerry Maguire was a kind of almost satirized look at that situation and Moneyball just felt, the the performances just felt very real to me. And also Chris Pratt played the insecure but talented baseball player with the ability of an insecure but talented actor. I don't even
1: That was cool anymore. to see Chris Pratt again because obviously when I saw the movie originally I didn't know Chris Pratt yet. So it was kind of how when, I, when we watched Star Trek I was like hey it's Chris Hemsworth before he became Chris Hemsworth. Like it's cool to yeah, see these guys the, sort of come up. The Chris yeah. trifecta Now Pratt's a legit
0: movie star. Oh, he's a
1: superstar. Yeah, Yeah. and I, yeah, I thought he was good. Star-Lord. I'm
0: going, uh, I do go Jerry Maguire. Listen, I wanted to go Moneyball because I think Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'm so bummed every time I see him because he's he died, and I really think a few, he was a few leading roles away from being one of the GOATs. He is. I think he's
2: still one of the GOATs.
0: He's phenomenal. When I saw him in The Master, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, he's brilliant. He he is just, I just don't feel like people know him him enough. He he was on his way to being, I, I think he was gonna get an Oscar for lead role at some point in his life. Um I
2: would have loved to have seen have seen more Hoffman I'll put it that way. <laughs> you would love to have seen more Hoffman? Yeah I would have loved to have seen um, more Hoffman. Phil
1: Lip would yeah. have loved to yeah. see more Hoffman. Yeah he up,
2: he shares a name with me and I will see more Hoffman. Yeah he filled my heart with joy regularly. Also, have you ever see that I mean do you guys ever see Capote? Yeah like what a fucking role that guy's funny you say Capote that, that was
0: the only one of the few other hit movies directed by the director of Moneyball, Bennett Miller.
2: Oh, really? Capote, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote was just... That was one of the most flawless (sighs) leading actor performances Mm. I've seen. And a
0: very hard person to play. One of the weirdest people to... I can't imagine, but I I dig... I went Jerry Maguire, though, for, for a few reasons. I already said it. Bonnie Hunt and Regina King outacted Renee Zellweger toe and toe, in my opinion. Uh, I love Jay Moore as a failed stand-up comedian. Jay Moore was a brilliant stand-up. He's a f- funny guy, but he's a legit actor. He actually auditioned to be Cush originally. He had really long hair. He looked kind of like sunny side up, college quarterback, but they decided to put him in the sugar roll. The one moment where I decided I was gonna this category was gonna go Jerry Maguire is when he fires him and acts like it's an inconvenience to him. Him. He's like, well imagine me having to fire my mentor, you know. He's making it about him. I just thought he did that so well. I just and the fact when he's trying to snipe Ted well is like if you wanna be in the big you wanna be in the big leagues. He's just such a great dick. <laughs> So, yeah, he is Jerry Maguire.
2: Nothing like a great dick.
0: Yes, yeah, multiple. <laughs>
2: Love
0: it. We are tied one to one. All right, let's get into a bro category. The least awkward situation wins this one. What's the least awkward? Jerry Maguire watching his own wedding footage, looking miserable and regretting it, having to be consoled by Tidwell, or Billy picking up his daughter and sitting there talking to his ex-wife and her Silicon Valley husband.
2: <laughs> Ooh, that was a weird. That scene. was so Those awkward. Were some weird. And the one
0: scene where you see our second bill cast or first bill second listed cast Robin Wright who I love but was not in this movie very much she really wasn't why'd they pay her so much I don't don't know
2: because if Robin's right then I don't want to be wrong (laughs) you know what I'm saying and if you're Jenny
0: you're Jenny forever and you don't want a Robin Peter to pay Paul
2: that ain't right
0: (laughs)
1: That's so right. <laughs> really, uh, um,
0: this is really a bean counting category.
1: I think just everything about Jerry Maguire leans a little more awkward mm-hmm. than Moneyball. Agreed. So the least awkward wins, you said? Okay, so I think the the least awkward is the pit scene. Yeah, so I'll go Moneyball.
2: I would agree with that. I think the least awkward is the pit scene. And I was actually trying to give the point to, to Jerry Maguire here because, dude, that scene, I mean, uh, watching your own wedding with your only client, yeah. that's fucking, weird. He's
0: singing at your wedding. Like,
2: this guy is literally the difference between you having a future or not having a future. And, like, you're you're watching the terrible, awkward scenes of your own situation. It's also weird, not speaking from experience here, but I feel like it would be weird to, to go into your wife's house with her new husband and see your kid and have to deal with all that shit. The Jerry Maguire scene is awkward as hell. And so, therefore, Moneyball wins here. What do you think, K?
0: Yeah, I was, um, uh, I actually think it's more awkward. It doesn't matter now because you both went Moneyball. The Silicon Valley guy, I I just assume he's Silicon Valley because I've been in tech and he just reminds me of everybody, but him trying to make small talk with a baseball player, and he's obviously some kind of tech guru guy, and he's just like, he's mispronouncing all of the players' names. Yeah. What does he say? He doesn't say Giambi. He says Giambani. He says Giambani, or he says he co- totally slays his name, and Robin writes just comfortably like on the couch with her shoes on. She's just kind of like looking at him. just like
2: Yeah, if, if you're somebody who would use Use the fucking term sports ball. Then don't even try to say the names of these players. Just shut yes. the fuck up. Sit on your couch, <laughs> eat Cheetos. You know, just don't. Oh my god. If you say sports You're ball, just sh- shut the fuck up. You're
1: out of hand, Future Phil. I hope he wants to mm. run the ball in for a grand slam and hits a touchdown while yeah. eating the grand slam. At Why Denny's? don't you
2: swing your club at the foosball table? You know, just fuck off with that shit.
1: <laughs> I like the Seahawks because they have great costumes and like
2: also a- their their bird looks angry, and I'm an angry. Person, I drive angry in my Honda Pilot.
1: Like I said, Fuck these you. are the same people that go to
0: Halloween parties and think it's funny to respond with that. With really
2: that you're dressed like yourself or some. Yeah, shit.
0: like weird. oh, I am a I'm a professional. Working. Like you're not clever. You're lazy. I think
2: the moral of our entire podcast is don't be a buzzkill. You're
0: not a you're not clever. You're a criminal. You're a social criminal. You're just you're stealing murdering. joy.
2: Other people are there to have fun, and you're just fucking shitting on their parade.
0: Stay home. We should get to the next category. Two to one. <laughs> Moneyball, tight categories. I'm ready for our leading man category. Tom Cruise versus Brad Pitt. You can look at it from a role perspective, but you know, also look at it from, these are our leading men. You can look at their careers, whatever you want, but let's analyze our leading men. Who takes the cake here, Pitt or Cruise?
1: I'll I'll take this on a personal level. I think just personally, I resonate more with Pitt. I think I was more compelled and inspired by his CEO leadership mentality that he brought to the table, whereas Cruz just felt like he was kind of playing up his own personal charm and just like being himself. Pitt felt like he was really playing a role. Great point. I'm going to go Pitt. So you went (sighs) Moneyball. Moneyball. Phil.
0: Moneyball. Who's filled Uh, with anger today. What's that?
2: Who's filled with
0: anger today?
2: I'm not filled with anger, dude. It's just, there's been some serious episodes lately, and we're we're uh, we're on a on a trip right now we're outside of the studio i'm not I don't even know what this audio is gonna sound like it might be filled with echoes whatever
0: door of echoes kevin bacon movie hollow man
2: How, yeah, that, <laughs> that's what i was getting there in my head i was like what was that weird movie he was in where he like fucking creeped on people and shit hollow man i want to give props to jerry Maguire, but man once again brad pitt's performance in this was i bought it when you feel like you're watching the guy that they're playing as opposed to the guy they are like i felt like like I was watching Billy Bean. I didn't feel like I was watching Brad Pitt. Whereas in Jerry Maguire, I felt like I was watching Tom Cruise, not whomever Jerry Maguire may be. So that's why I go Moneyball. I felt like I was watching Billy Bean. Like when I refer to that movie, I refer to his character as Billy Bean. Whereas when I refer to Jerry Maguire, I refer to his character as Tom Cruise. So there you go.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had a, I had to put a lot of thought into this one because these two are gigantic movie stars. We've established that. Tom Cruise may be one of the biggest absolute freaking movie stars. And movie star encompasses more than just acting, right? It's not even the quality of acting. It's
1: income. It's To me, what makes a superstar movie star is butts and seats. Like, do you sell tickets? Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably as good a actor as Tom Cruise, but does, you know <laughs> what did you say? He's a better actor.
2: <laughs> That's side comment
1: he's better. He's, he's better. He's okay, better. well that you're proving my point. He's At better. a technical level there are much he's better, better actor. actors than yep. Tom Cruise who are not gonna get you know, a tenth of the box office results that people see his name.
0: And I feel like of all of us, Drew has the best definition for movie star, which thank I love. Thank you, thank you. You do, no, because I because no, think he, about who I like.
2: Drew has single handedly changed the way I view actors.
0: Cruz is like I said, he's he's a he's a demolition weapon. Like if you want to use him, you need to make sure you're ready for the full cruise because you're gonna get charisma, you're gonna get energy, you're gonna get the full cruise. He did demonstrate a lot of emotions in this movie. I did think he nailed more so than his other roles, he really hit a Emotion, sadness, desperation. Uh, I thought he did really well. Brad Pitt, one thing I really hit on him with my last view is one thing you really pit on. <laughs> that, I could- that was a Brad joke. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I'm fixing to cut you guys from this podcast. Oh, <laughs>
2: Cut, like,
0: what? You're going back to the development league. Oh, yeah, the minors? Come on, man. <laughs> development league? Wait, that's the NBA. Minor? The G League. No. <laughs> One thing that Pitt really nailed that we haven't really discussed is he plays a guy that is ex- has experienced arrested development. He was drafted at 18. He didn't go to college. He That was his life. He played baseball. I know a lot of what we're talking about, he has leadership traits and all that, but I also see it as awkwardness. Like, he doesn't have social interactions. He doesn't really engage well with people, he's a guy that didn't really learn basic developmental conversational skills because his whole life was just dedicated to baseball. And that's kind of how he leads and manages his team. And I thought Brad Pitt killed that. But I give it to Tom Cruise. And this ultimately, because I viewed these both as fantastic, uh, great acting displays, I did the swap. Who could play the other role? Like I said, Tom Cruise is a weapon of mass destruction and this was the perfect role for him. And Even though I know Brad Pitt is the better, he's my favorite, more dynamic actor. Actor Brad Pitt could not do what
1: Tom Cruise did. I could Jerry Maguire. not
2: disagree. For real, I actually strongly disagree. For with real, that. I
1: think Pitt would have killed Jerry Maguire. Really? It would have been different, yes. but I think he would have been great. I don't think Cruise could have it, carried it. It would have been, ball.
2: yeah, no, Cruise could not have done and it. We would have gotten yeah, more sure. egregious snacking scenes in Jerry Maguire. So with... kudos
1: to do the switch. I love that approach. Yeah, but I think okay, you're, but you're where you landed wrong. was wrong. you are. I mean. <laughs> Did we just change your you mind? You kind of did, but Tom, <laughs> you
0: have to admit though, Tom Cruise has just a next level charisma. When I think Tom Cruise, the word charisma comes to mind. He exudes.
2: Cruiseisma, totally.
0: Like I said, in Minority Report, one of the reasons I didn't always love him because in scenes where we needed subtlety, like I just was like, if he's not punching somebody, this is really difficult to digest. <laughs>
2: like I need him. I mean, also he had those little rebirth alien things screaming at him the whole that time. That is true. Whatever,
0: yeah. But it doesn't matter what I think. I, I did give it to Tom, even though Brad is my favorite actor. Money balls here. Three to one. We gotta talk about the music in these movies. Phil Kick us off best music.
2: Moneyball, Drew, what do you think? Why? Because it was better. I mean, what is, that's that's I mean, best music is the the most subjective category ever, unless the music in the you know, contesting movie was so fucking bad that nobody would ever vote for it. But in this case, that is. Let's not elaborate the then.
0: I will expound the kind of atmospheric music plus the daughter song, which was crucial, which was a commercial through line, versus Cameron Crowe's curated needle drop. I think second to Scorsese and Needle Drops, Camera Crow's ability to pick songs for his films. Needle Drops, first, the atmosphere.
2: I'm not a little bit think, caught in the middle, and think, I'm going to go Moneyball.
1: <laughs> well done. Again, I do think that that little girl song cut to my core, and it really just like made me feel a lot of things about my life. And I, I think that. Outside of the fact that I'm not a little girl, that song just hit me on a level mm-hmm. that I resonated with. So I think that that song is great. And then also, again, like we already talked, the Friday Night Light, those drops where it's just like that ethereal guitar and like, it's just powerful. It's strong and, yeah, and it was, yeah. felt fresh at the time. Maybe it ripped it off from a m- football movie before, whatever, who cares? The point is, it's great and it accomplishes what it's supposed to. And Jeremy Maguire was good too, but not as good.
0: I'm having flashbacks of Jaws versus Jurassic Park right now. You guys are- Yeah, I'm
2: pro, I'm pro you guys Pro
0: Moneyball, um, you're pro land, yeah. Pro you're pro land. land. Um, listen, I I do think it's a beautiful soundtrack, and there were moments where the the atmosphere of, uh, especially because I'm a guitar player, uh, you know, I love what they accomplish with the instruments. It's beautiful, and it definitely made me emotional during certain parts of that.
1: Joe Satriani played the national anthem in Moneyball. He did one of the f-
0: most incredible guitar players of all time. I know. I get it. The thing is, is though, like I said, I had my camera crow phase. For there was a time where my, all of my Playlist. I had bur- this is burned CDs back in the day with my yeah. walk- yes, work, burned work, CDs. Cameron Crowe movie soundtracks. Jerry Maguire wow. was on disc. I had Vanilla Sky burned disc. That's cool. Um, you know, these soundtracks, and when it ends on Shelter from the Storm, this nine stanza masterpiece from Bob Dylan, which I'm not even a big Bob Dylan fan. I just every time the movie ends, that's when my teardrop hits when he throws the baseball over the fence and then do in the harmonica. I just love it. I think Nancy Wilson's a, an amazing composer with the acoustic guitar. I did give it to Jerry. McGuire, but I, I love Moneyball soundtrack, but it doesn't matter what I think.
2: Apparently not.
0: Because you guys are ganging up on me, okay? You're the Yankees, I'm the Athletics, but I don't have Peter Brand on my side. I just got me who doesn't do math. I went to Arkansas Tech. I didn't go to Yale, okay? but gra- I do
1: think it's tough when we're kind of prepping for these matchups. It does, it feels like the movie I watched most recently has the upper hand.
2: <laughs> I watched Jerry McGuire most recently, though. And I watched well, both I'm not, of them. Well,
1: I guess I'm not making that claim for yourself, but for me, like I, if I it just sure seems enough. like I always start with the older movie and get back to the or get to the more recent movie. I start with the one I'm less familiar with. That's my tactic.
0: But then I watch both of them three times, the commentaries, and I,
1: yeah,
2: I just watch. That's why you're I'm, a Homer.
1: I'm a Homer. You start with the the one you don't know as much about. So the one you watch most recently mm-hmm. is the one you already mm-hmm. love to begin with. And so you just <laughs> hammer that
0: home. Well, we'll see what uh we'll see what James's stat- statistical analysis of baseball with James to say Earl it. Jones go. That's right. Right, four to one, money ball, I'm feeling a little attacked, feeling a little triggered. Best depiction of athletes. We have real athletes in these movies, we have fictional athletes, we have, so the examples I wrote down were Tidwell from Jerry Maguire, Cush, Romo the ho- hockey player that sets off this whole chain of events, versus the Oakland A's, which are, you know, based on real people. Even one of the coaches is based on a real coach. He's played by a real coach. The guy that plays Grady was a real L.A. Dodger, so best representations of athletes.
1: You could take this category one of two ways. Most realistic, to me, is Moneyball, but most entertaining, most fun depiction of athletes to me and throw in to boot just having actual athletes in the movie is Jerry Mag- I would say Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Way more fun, way more entertaining. You know, again, I think Moneyball is probably like is a up and coming, you know, minor league baseball player. Is that a better, more accurate depiction than the football players in Jerry Maguire? Yes, sure. But that's not what I want from movies. I want fun. I want entertaining. I'll say
2: Jerry Maguire for this. Man, that's a strong point point. I always love when a point that is made in real time makes me question my thoughts. That's really good. The thing that stood out to me was the realism of the David Justice character as somebody who is super critical of the portrayals of baseball players in movies. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the physical performances of a lot of the guys they chose to play these roles. I didn't really detect any like shitty fake mechanics in these guys. Like they all... They trained. They looked oh, good
1: like, point. That, that in baseball Baseball movies—that's the real thing. They yeah, train like, them
2: very hard. I've said it in previous podcasts, and I'm sure there are baseball fans out there who disagree with me, but I don't fucking care. I don't believe that you can teach authentic-looking baseball mechanics to adults who have never played before because it just comes off looking fake. Baseball is one of those things that you you start learning as a child, and you just take it into your adulthood, and it's like riding a bike—you mm. you've either got it or you don't, and you and you never really lose it. And something about the guys in Moneyball just—they all looked like ball players with the Exception of maybe like one dude, but like overall, those guys all looked like they played before and it looked like a complete baseball team. So, for reasons totally opposite of Drew's, which oh, were good. super valid, I go Moneyball. But as far as a fun depiction of, of athletes, absolutely Jerry McGuire. That's so that's God, you guys are a like, great.
1: Point and though I think about Tidwell, like what celebrating that final touchdown, it's like the most insane thing. He celebrates for like half an hour, he's <laughs> jumping up and he jumps like 20 feet into the stand. Hands and was like kicking his feet. It's like, what has happened? It's the most insane yeah. thing ever, and not realistic at all. So
0: you guys are like the devil and the angel on my shoulder right now. I thought I knew what I was going to say, but you both made those
1: it. are the, yeah. Those felt like the two perspectives. Yeah. Right? That's
0: what's hard as a host because I usually go last, and sometimes that happens. You like are like I'm like Phil, Drew, you're tearing you, me an yeah,
1: Kyle, you definitely have the hardest job because yeah. we always go first. And you're like, all right, now you come up you with made, a third fresh yeah. thing. You made so many great points,
0: um, and you both made exact points that I thought, which was Moneyball is an incredible amount of realism. My thing was is they did get away with using a lot of footage from actual baseball games. So there were times where they were using real Oakland A's footage not using actors. So they didn't... They, hey,
1: but so did Jerry Maguire.
0: Yeah, but Rod Tidwell, man, he went across the middle in a bunch of scenes He too. did,
1: but they used a lot of footage of the actual right. Cowboys-Cardinals football game that year.
0: You're very right. I did go Jerry Maguire because, this is going to be stupid, but Drew Big and I... are fucking
1: shocker. Yeah,
0: we're diehard Cowboys fans. We both know that Troy Aikman is a gigantic hard ass and the fact that they got him to say hey Jerry I loved your memo I even tweeted this trying to get Troy Aikman <laughs> to respond like three Super Bowl rings Hall of Famer but his greatest work was telling Jerry Maguire that he liked his memo <laughs> I mean, that's amazing he's such a hard that's ass, so funny but I love that they got him to say that I love that Cameron Crow. he's an artistic director he's done Vanilla Sky and then he did singles he's, he's musical but somehow he did all this research and he spent all this time with agents he got access to the NFL draft he got all these real athletes and he really came out with a, a very real story. I really do feel like Rod Tidwell inspired Chad Johnson. Um I, I just love how they use the athletes. I we do should
2: a- ask Chad Johnson. I
0: mean he'd probably come on the show at this point. All he's doing is EA Madden ratings right now. But yeah, I do <laughs> I do acknowledge though of sports movies I've seen Moneyball may be the most realistic. And that's because they had pro athletes. It felt real. Well, really? well even uh um, they had pro Chris ball Pratt, players
2: like for the most part really looked the part. Like he, he did a really good mm-hmm. job. And and yeah. so did the guy who played David Justice. And
0: like I said in the rando, Chris Chris Pratt was the only guy in on the team, the fictional, well, not fictional, but you know what I mean, the actor's team that didn't play college baseball. The rest of them were pro players, college, minor leagues. They were all real players. But I did I did like them in the few football shots we got, even though it was pretty unrealistic how often Rod Tidwell went across the middle. I do love that they, they made that real. All right. It is four to two. Moneyball with the lead. Would you rather want Bean as your GM or Jerry as your agent? Oh! That's a good category. Wow. I told you the
1: scorecard was a winner. A much better podcaster would have looked at that war card before you sent it, but I did not, and now mm. I'm blown away at this podcast. I like category. that you're surprised by that
2: though. I don't like this question.
1: I would, much rather, I would much rather have Jerry Maguire as my agent because Billy Bean is a ruthless motherfucker, and Jerry Maguire cares about his clients. He
2: does. Jerry Maguire has- Billy Ruth. Bean doesn't give a
1: shit about who's on his team. True. He wants to know if you get on base, and if you don't, you are out. So Jerry Maguire. That's what losing sounds like. Hear that? I love that part. Get
2: I code. go Jerry Maguire uh, here as well. Um mm. Maguire. <laughs> Jerry Maguire because for the for the same reasons. Uh Billy Bean, uh, I, here's the thing. I love Billy Bean's willingness to dig into the fact that maybe baseball's gotten it wrong all these years, but Jerry Maguire his integrity that he discovers in his at the age of 35. Don't yeah, bob sugarcoat it. Yeah, I won't I won't. His newfound integrity that he discovers, he knows his profession is. Is going down the wrong path. It's about less clients and more relationship. Like that is the agent you want. Jerry Maguire all the way. Uh, I feel like he just discovers himself as a man in his in his midlife and that's that's some strong ass shit. Love it. So I go Jerry Maguire.
0: I also go Jerry Maguire. Listen, I need a lot of attention. I need to be pampered. I need to be affirmed. I need personal attention, one-on-one relationships, okay? Less clients, more money. That's what greatness is, man. Show put me your money. Putting your balls out there, said Jerry Cantrell. Listen, Billy Bean, I respect him, but I am a creative. I don't do well in money or in in statistical data-driven. Money or balls. I don't do well in money or balls. I don't do well in number-driven situations. I need need to be aloof. I need to have gray area. It's a little too cutthroat for me over there in Oakland, so I go Jerry Maguire.
1: Here's the difference. This category is flawed, and here's why. Your agent works for you. You work for your general manager. That's true. So, of course, you'd rather have someone working for you. Than working for someone else. All
0: right. We're gonna do something a little different. This category, I wanna compare two scenes because these two scenes were kind of comparable in level of awkwardness, but greatness. It's four to three money ball. Here we go. What what scene did you love more? Who's coming with me? That whole thing, these goldfish, that whole thing, versus I love this scene, being just taking the scouts out on the on the plank and just kicking them off. We're not gonna talk about your players. How about this horrible guy? Like, how about this horrible guy? Like those are like were the two, those were the two moments, right? where they're kind of like they're jumping off the ledge who, who sets, sets it on fire the best
2: uh, okay I'm just gonna go Jerry Maguire here because I wanted that scene to be over so bad because I felt that just the awkwardness so hard it was just not only is this guy after he gets fired in his office pining for his clients and screaming at people but then he goes out on the floor and and you can't ask the question of who's coming with me unless you believe that people are coming with you and fucking no one does I'm not gonna Flip Except out, for the accountant or the fucking whatever she is, his his assistant won't even go with him. Like, oh, the rays. <laughs> It, it just, I hurt for his character. Yeah, it's hard. So deeply. I aligned with his integrity and with his intent. But man, I just, I while I was watching that scene, I was like all but biting my fingers off wanting it to be over. Whereas with Billy Bean, that guy just moved with authority and as if he knew that he was God at the end of the day. And he didn't give a fuck what these other dudes think. So there was nothing awkward about that because he was like, fuck you old dudes. I'm going to take this franchise." and do what I want to do with it. But man, Jerry, oh my God, that scene was heartrending, dude.
1: I, I actually really liked the scene in Moneyball before all that. The first scene when he was like, what are we talking about? Yeah, and just go around so the room good. and they'd give a like, oh, well, we're talking about, we're trying to get in, we're trying to replace, you know, what's his name? And, blah, blah. and he's like, nope, what are we talking about? And he just went around the room and just made them all kind of like feel stupid and really sort of like kind of laid the groundwork for the scene you just set up, yeah. Kyle. But I, I'm with Phil. I think Jerry Maguire... That scene when he comes out and he falls down, which by the way, Rando, no one in that room in that scene knew he was gonna fall down.
0: Really? Yep. That was completely that.
1: impromptu. Cameron Crow's like, hey, this isn't in script, but fall down. I want just just do it and see. I want to see how the room responds. And they kept it. They kept it in the take. Uh so that was like the reaction of to him falling down was legit like an actual surprise. So anyway, that and the goldfish and the awkwardness of nobody coming, and the, even though he thought maybe someone would, and Renee kind of watching it and like yeah it was good it was just that whole scene was very memorable and I'm gonna say Jerry Maguire. boom
0: you know and, and maybe it's just my different personality I actually did think it was awkward when he was just burning down the scouts thing I just he walked in there and I know his personality but just as who I am I'm just like watching him just take a match and just say fuck your guys <laughs> here's the guy with the weird pitch that's our guy the best part when he's, he's pointing at Peter he's like Peter get on base and he's like and we do what Peter and he points to him and then there's that awkward one where he does know to speak. is like, oh, oh, me? Oh, get on base. (laughs) It's so good, and it's awkward because he's burning that thing to the ground, but you gotta go Jerry here. This is the scene where I say, I don't, Brad Pitt, more dynamic, better actor overall. I don't know that he can do the freaking out scene. Tom Cruise is just in a different stratosphere in that scene. The body motions, the freaking out, and the point where I think, where he really destroys that scene, is when he does ask his assistant, because he he assumes a little bit of fake confidence. All right. Come on. Let's go. And she's like, Jerry, the Rays. He's so ashamed that she, but he just, for a moment, he had a little bit of confidence and she just shits on him. The Rays, you know, the benefits. And anyway, both great, but that's, that's McGuire. He burned it down better. And all of a sudden it's burning down our war card because wow, we have one category and it's four to four. We could use some of those Peter Brand statistics right about now. This is the category we've been building up to. We're going to close the sports category. And I did run this one by Drew. This is Drew approved for I'll go basketball, but think of any tandem, but we're going to, we have to go the best of all time, the best MJ and Pippin. Is it Tidwell and Jerry Maguire, Cruz and Cuba Gooding versus Jonah Hills, Peter Brand, and Billy Bean played by Brad Pitt? Those are our, Ooh. that is our MJ Pippin tandem. Who's our best duo?
2: I think the best duo is Kyle and coming up with categories. You That's think so? That's MJ Pippin right there. I was
0: excited about this one. I kind of thought that was going to be climactic. That's a good fucking category. It's
1: pretty strong.
0: And I built it up by naming the actors and shit. Just doing, I think
1: we, I think I I'd want to hear from Kyle first.
0: Ooh, We know where he's going to go. Ah, you Jerry actually McGuire. I actually don't. I it, this is tough. I, they're both Oh, I, I love Jonah Hill. This is his coming out party as an actor, not as a as a teenage comedian, but as an actor. Like and what I saw him do blew me away. I loved what he did because I kind of went that was one of my things with this movie is like Jonah Hill, like Brad Pitt, like what is what is this? Like what are you doing? He blew me away. And I love their dynamic. I and one thing I talked earlier about how Pitt really played that arrested development very well, what I thought Jonah did really well was I love baseball, but not the way you do. I love math. I love economics but I also love baseball. I just don't love it the way the scouts do. I don't love it the way the tradition does. And he kind of did that flawlessly. So it's not as close as you think, but you're right. I did go Jerry Maguire. Um, (laughs) But it's very close and and it is the friendship. It's the dynamic. It is Cuba Gooding Jr., that full arc of emotions from arrogant prick athlete to best friend for Jerry Maguire. His lifeline, they become each other's lifeline. And where that really comes to to climax is when he gets hurt and he's unconscious and Jerry's running, doing the run, right? (laughs) But he's so concerned, you know, and he's calling the family. And you just realize in that moment, like, God, these people care. Their lives have crossed in the weirdest way possible. You know, Jerry ended his career. He could be over. If it's not for Rod Tidwell, it is over. But their lifelines crossed in that moment. It's beautiful.
1: It's They nailed it. That is my moment. Jerry Maguire. Let's talk about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan was, as a teammate in that dynamic, was a, an extremely hard-headed, strong-willed, hold-your-guys-accountable personality. Scottie Pippen was way more of a soft-spoken, follower how do i support my team how do i get the ball passed around like that it was a much different just two completely both great players you know you can argue about who was way more talented who wasn't you know how close were they but yin and yang they're they're yeah very different in their personality type so if you're trying to like draw from this category who is more like scotty and mj to me Billy Bean was way more that strong-willed hold your guys accountable like you do this or you're out kind of like you know you're confronting David Justice in the batting cage like just really just putting a gun to guys like you show up or get out kind of vibe and Jonah Hill was like you know just how can I help like I'm in the corner you need me yeah you pass me the ball I'm gonna hit the shot for sure. But like, I don't demand the spotlight. I'm just like, here if you need me. And so to me, that's a great comparison for Moneyball. I didn't really get the Scotty MJ thing for Jerry Maguire as much. So I'll go Moneyball.
2: Yeah, that was strong. I, I think i go Moneyball as well here. Um, just because there quite literally is no story without the Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill tandem there. Like without the Billy Bean, fucking dude, I can't remember his name, tandem of... Of the guy looking for the answers and the guy providing the answers and the dude having the maturity and the and the security as a human being to enable somebody below him and somebody who, for all intents and purposes, is on the totem pole, very inferior to him. He's much younger. He is not he has no accomplishments to speak of, and he just hands this guy's the keys the keys to the kingdom over and over and over again publicly, like balls on the table. Is like, yeah, d- does this guy need to be in this meeting? Yeah yes, he needs to be in this meeting. Does this guy need to be here? Yes, he needs to be here. Just over and over again, just puts everything on the line because he believes in this new approach. He's literally reinventing the way baseball is being perceived and played and strategized. That takes some serious balls. And that's not takeaway from the Jerry Maguire, Rod Tidwell story where Rod Tidwell saves this guy's career. But to me, saving a career versus literally reinventing a sport that That's why I go Moneyball. Yeah. I mean, God, both good answers. You know, and um, I worked for a company, I won't name the company, but
0: they had really about leadership principles. And one of the leadership principles was willingness to be misunderstood for long periods of time when it comes to your vision, your mission, or whatever your outcome is supposed to be. And I do love that aspect of Moneyball, that ruthlessness, that going back to that quote, bloody nose going through the wall first. Like, you know, that display of this is going to hurt. This could ruin our careers. And that one quote, we talked about it before the podcast, but when Brad Pitt says, you're 25, you've got a Yale economics Degree. I am a failed baseball player with a high school diploma. Like we are risking. I am risking much more than you are. I love that idea of that tandem. So in a way, if we're really going to go to town with the MJ Pippen thing, Michael Jordan is still very misunderstood. His competitiveness, his anger, his ruthlessness. In that way, exemplifying that metaphor the most, based on what you said, Phil. Yes, very much so. That that willingness to like, we're we're no one's going to get this. This is going to we're going to get that Socratic idea of rejection. I mean, he even says yeah. at
2: one point do you believe in this are you mm-hmm. all in on this he asked how like, there's a moment mm-hmm. of either it's either self-doubt or self-actualization or whatever where he has to lean on this nobody that he is putting all of his trust and his future and his career into to f- like do, are you in on this that that was a powerful relationship it was great and what does
0: he say to uh what does he say to like, I can do after he cuts Giambi and he cuts the other place he's like i can do this all day he's like do you get what we're trying to do here you know <laughs> <laughs> well, five to four, and damn, this was fun. What this a, is so fun. So great, fun. what a great
1: category or uh matchup.
0: Great movies, movie stars, man. I love it when we just like Brad Pitt, you know, Tom Cruise. Um, uh, but thank you for hanging out with us. We hit a hopefully we hit a home run today. Uh, you know, Sport hopefully Jerry Maguire or Jerry yeah. Maguire fumbled there at the end a little bit, you know, nah. in the red zone. Still but one
2: of the greats.
0: One of the absolute greats. I miss Cameron Crowe. I miss him making the movies he made. We're gonna do we're gonna talk about isolation next time. We're gonna do Ooh. Castaway versus the Martian. (laughs) So stay tuned. I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. And I'm Foo. Love you. Foy. You complete me. Yes, you do. Thank you for supporting Movie Wars. We have one more small ask. For just $7 a month, that's right, the price of one measly latte a month, you can support us on Patreon. This will get you access to special content, one-off episodes, and even live Q&As with the hosts, myself included. Also, more money helps us make more content, more episodes, drop stuff more frequently, and just get better all around. Not to mention, it'll feed our children. And isn't that what it's all about? The children. I'm going to drop the link in the episode description. If you're on Apple, on Spotify, you can go to that episode description and find that link to our Patreon. Also, if you are on social media, we are active on all platforms, but we are especially active on TikTok. Find us at Movie Wars Podcast on TikTok. Thanks again for your support. We love you. Bye. Yeah, and I, I do love, I have a fantasy of being a sports agent. I would never want to be a sports agent, but like... You'd I, be I, fucking amazing at it. That It's just a life, like some people want to be lawyers, doctors. When I see Jeremy Graham, I'm like, God, I'd love to be a sports I agent. I almost
1: texted you and said, does this movie not make you want to be an agent? Yes, yeah.
0: it does. It so does. Like working with pro athletes, being charismatic, I love it. Networking. We like sports
2: yeah. here at Movie Wars a little and, bit. And movie for, sports.
1: And right. for
0: people that don't know me, like Drew and Phil do, we've had had some dinners this week for the birthday and I talk to strangers. I network. Kyle talks I work, to I work fucking the people strangers. I work I am the what is Kyle's it never met a stranger. I'm the yeah. king of the living room. Was that what he says? I'm the
1: master of the what is yeah, something like that. Master I, of the living room I think room. my yeah. favorite
2: part about yeah. watching Kyle talk to strangers is watching who engages and who gets <laughs> super uncomfortable and walks away. Like that's the best part. It's and like, if
1: Kyle can notice the di- like Read the room and know the
2: difference. Depends like on how many drinks I had. The one one waitress was just there for it, was hanging out, like she was just like part of the dinner. And then this this other poor girl who comes over to help out just was weirded out by something Kyle said. was a weird question. I said, question. Do you
0: think Uncharted deserved negative reviews? <laughs> Literally, that's all I said to her. Yeah, she she was, was
2: like,
1: "I've never seen movie before." And just
0: fucking. Leaves. Then I said, "What is your favorite movie?" She's and like,
1: "What's an she- Uncharted?"
0: Bye. <laughs> yeah, I like charts. An Uncharted zero percent tip. That's what's Uncharted. It Rod is Rod four- Tip, not well. <laughs> uh, oh, Jerry Mahire, uh, J M. <laughs>